Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. If you're here with us today for the first time, man, honestly, you chose the best Sunday to be a part of what's going on here at the Movement Church. I got to tell you, we exist for you. Everybody that's here, we're here because we want God to do something awesome in your life. We really do. And listen, we're, we're not about just doing church as usual. We're not about just trying to kind of fit the bill. We just really want to actually make a difference with our lives. So if you're here for the first time and you're looking for a new church home, can I just tell you, I think the search is over. Welcome home. And and listen, I'll tell you what, a little bit later in the service, we'll kind of give you some instruction. But if you've got a moment, you can, on your seat, there's a status update card. Or you can text the word status to the number on the screen and fill that out. And and listen, it's a hassle-free guarantee. We just want to send you a gift to say thanks for hanging with us. And church, I also want to challenge you that any time during the service is a good time to be filling out that status update card so we can be praying specifically for you. Hey, look at me for a moment. I might be a little crazy today. So um, I used to be a youth pastor and that gives me the right to kind of get a little intense sometimes. So, hey, don't, don't just check out. Don't just check out. I think God wants to do something great. I see some good friends in the very back. The Lees are in from New Jersey. Good friends of ours, they've been here. They were here in the very beginning, and these guys have experienced the miraculous in their life. Prayed for, prayed for, prayed for another baby for years and went through every hoop you can go through, and God blessed them with a beautiful little baby. I hope she's here. She's not going to be so disappointed. Yeah, okay, she's here. Hey, listen, that's the kind of miracle work that God's into. And you might have heard some church folk talk like this, and they might be a little crazy or on TV. That's not, we're all out of crazy here. But we just believe in a good God. So I want to share a few things with you um, today specifically for all of us. But before I do that, I just, if I don't say this, my wife will probably be so angry with us. We, we work hard to do holidays right at the Movement Church. And I want to just tell you, you better make the Movement Church your home for Christmas. We have got some amazing things in store. On your way out today, you'll get a flyer like this. Bring all your friends, your neighborhood. Just bring the whole thing. Rent a bus and bring them here. We're going to kick it off right. We do what's called at the movies, where we're going to literally watch Christmas movies and take points from that, apply the word of God, and learn through it. It's a lot of fun. We've got some fun movies in store for you. Next week, though, we're going to start off right with an ugly Christmas sweater party. And if you, yeah, you better be, better be ready for it. And listen, there's no excuse. You can buy them now, but it's even better if you make them. Uh, the more blinky lights, the better. So come prepared, donning your Christmas sweater. Your flyer will have the information on there. Uh, you can text the word notes to the number on the screen. It's got all the dates. We've got Santa Claus coming out. Even if you don't believe in him, he'll be here. Uh, we've got a photo booth and Christmas cookies and a lot of stuff. And then we're doing our traditional Christmas Eve beach service. At sunset, one of the greatest things we do uh, it is awesome. We get the fire pits going. We get to do some Christmas carols on the beach in Aliso Beach in Laguna. Unbelievable time! You don't want to miss it. Christmas is on a Sunday this year, and and we will not be having services on Christmas Day. 
uh, we still love Jesus. We're going to have an amazing Christmas Eve service, but what we're not going to do is ask the crew to wake up at 5 a.m. on Christmas morning and come and set up this church. So no Christmas services to celebrate with your families. If you don't have family, we'll find you one before the day's over. Is that it? Did I do it good enough? David Letterman, that thing down. Anybody remember David Letterman? All right, you're welcome. All right, I want to talk to you today about giving hope. We have a culture point. Uh, and, and, and listen, we, we have culture for everything we do. The vision of this church, the reason we exist, is to inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. That will never change. That is our mission. But culture is what gives us our broad shoulders and our narrow hips, our blue eyes, and all the little things that make the movement church the movement church. And one of the biggest culture points we have is simply this, that we will lead the way with radical generosity, reaching the hopeless and the hurting, both locally and globally. And this last line is my favorite. Because we can. Not because we have to. Not even because we want to. But simply because we can. Listen, we have been blessed. And when I say we, I mean all of us in this room have been blessed with amazing things. And we have an amazing ability to impact our world. And today I want to talk to you about giving Hope. What does it look like to give hope? I want to read a scripture to you. It's found in Micah 6, 8. I'm only going to read this one verse, and we're going to talk about this today and unpack what this means. But God actually kind of gives us this little hint into what he's looking for from you and me. Read, look at the scripture, and, and you can read along with me if you want. It says this, Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Let us pray. And that gives him the cue to step out. Isn't it just awesome? Can you imagine talking and having this guy behind you all the time? It's just amazing. Uh, Let's pray and then we'll uh, jump in. Lord, we thank you again that you're in this place. We thank you that you're doing something different. And God, we're open to it, whatever it looks like, uh, no matter what. And we're, we're open our hearts and our ears to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Literally, that literally just means I agree or that's good. That's all that that means. But I want to talk to you today about this passage of Scripture. And what I believe the Scripture says or instructs us or teaches us how to give hope. How to give hope. Hope. Many of you may have heard this verse. Some of you might be here for the very first time and have never heard a Bible verse read before. We at this church believe that the Bible isn't just a good book, but it's God's word for you and for me. And, and in fact, we base our life on this. So today we'll unpack scripture. And so if you're new or a first timer or not sure about your faith, can I just tell you, just rest easy. You have permission to belong before you believe. But we're going to unpack and see what the Bible has to say for you and for me. And more importantly, how we can give hope. And so I want to start with, we're going to unpack this kind of line upon line and see what God's saying. So let's start with the very beginning. It says this, he has told you, oh man. Somebody say, oh man. Now say it like this, oh man. So good. He has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Now, literally, with this, this scripture says, he has told you, oh man, what is good. It's kind of like condescension. It's like, look, bro. Any of you ever say that? That's a great thing to say to your spouse, or your kids. Look, bro. 
I done told you. That's what the scripture, I don't know if God speaks like that, but he's saying, look, you should know better. You don't actually need, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you should know this stuff that's about to be spoken. Now, you might know it, not know it with all the eloquence that it, I, I might read today, but the scripture is saying, I've already told you about this. I already clued you in, oh man. Look, bro. I feel like that needs to be the word for the day. Look, bro. This isn't a mystery. And he's going to unpack what he wants from followers. The writer here is hearing from God and he's going to unpack what God is looking for from those of us who say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, look, I've already told you this. And what I love about this scripture, and this might be something good, good information, good news for some of you today, but what he doesn't unpack is how we are to earn our salvation. Nowhere does he say, here are all the things that you must do so that I can love you. And I'm afraid that so many people back away from church or religious institutions because they're so convinced that we have to earn God's love for us. And I just want to tell you that couldn't be further from the truth. That God's love and his grace for you and for me is 100% free. You could be the most jacked up individual on the face of the planet, which some of you are, I know you. And you could be the most saintly individual on the planet and you still get the same amount of love from God. What an amazing message for you and for me. But can I tell you this? That when you're someone like me who has a past, a past that I regret, a past that often causes me to feel shame and condemnation, Can I just tell you that while God's love and his grace is free, when you're like me and you get grace like that, there should be a response that is elicited from me. When someone comes in and says, there's nothing you can do to earn my love, that evokes this desire to return that love and that should not be simply found in words. And that is what the writer is going to unpack For you and for me. He says this. He has told you, oh man, look bro, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice. This is point number one. In order to give hope, we must do justice. That's what the scripture is saying. Listen, God loves you and his grace is for you. And all he wants to see in your life is a response And one of those responses should be to do justice. We can take that word justice and we can break it up. There's multiple meanings for it. One of the meanings is to do what is right. Simply to do what is right. You know, I think sometimes Christ followers get more consumed or caught up in making sure everyone else is doing what is right instead of focusing in on and making sure that I am doing what is right. For too long, I I fear that the church has been known for what it stands against rather than what it stands for. And I think that's a, a, a mandate on you and me. And I think that's one of the things that God is saying is that We have got to make sure that we, I as an individual, am doing right. And that I'm not focused on the fact that you are doing what is right. We always have to weigh scripture with scripture. And that's why Paul said, hey, you're not the judge. 
You're not the judge, jury, and executioner. He said, don't judge unless you want to be judged because it's coming back at you, bro. I feel like that's in the subtext all through the scripture. Judge not lest you be judged. And yet for some reason, we have gotten very good at assuming other people's intentions and motives behind their actions. And the scripture is saying, hey, that's not the role that you or I have to play, but just do what is right. And this right that the Bible is talking about is righteousness based upon the attributes of God. We live in a society that feels like we can dictate what is right and wrong. And my friends, that's ridiculous. We don't get to determine what is right and what is wrong. We don't get to choose what the standard is. God has already set the standard. He has set the standard. And one of the greatest things that we can weigh what is right versus wrong is based on the attributes of who God is. We read about this in Galatians. It's a book in the New Testament where God said, here are some attributes that should follow those who say, I am a Christ follower. And they sound something like this, love. And joy, peace, and patience. It's amazing, especially in this season, in the middle of the election. It's just so funny to me that a lot of my Christian friends were talking about the doom and gloom and the downfall of our nation. I'm like, chill out. We're not in wartime here. We're actually going to be okay either way that this thing lands. God is still in control. But it seems like for so many of us, the attributes that God said should be a part of who we are fade based upon the circumstances that we face. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's an easy one, isn't it? (laughs) Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every morning I take, or every other morning, we have a carpool and take our kids to school. and, And every other morning we get Tyler Gordy in our car and Avery in Brooklyn and we go through... The fruits of the Spirit, and they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, oh my goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? And then what I do is I say, hey, why don't you guys focus on one of those today? Let's pick one of those, and every time they're like, I choose patience, I'm like, good luck. (laughs) Good luck. I think the scripture is just saying, guys, we just got to live right. Now, the scripture is not saying that we need to live perfect. Thank God. Man, because some of you are not perfect. Others of you are. I can see it in your eyes. He's not saying perfection is the goal. Breathe a sigh of relief. But just work on you, not your spouse, not even your kids, not any. Just you doing what is right. Why? Because that is contagious. You ever been around someone who had joy in the midst of the darkest hour? You ever been around someone that had patience so much that you were like, whoa, how do you do that? You have eight kids, they're screaming and you're okay. Give me some of that, right? It's contagious. He's just saying, do what is right. Christian, your life needs to be a reflection of the word of God. Don't allow the circumstances or the culture of our world or just even warped or twisted philosophy that sounds good be what dictates your lifestyle. It needs to be reflective of the word of God. That's why he's saying, hey, oh, hey, bro, you know what I want? Just do what's right. Another word you can translate this do right is to fight the injustices of the world. 
to fight the injustice. Here's a question to ask. Who lacks the strength, the knowledge, or the resources to fight for themselves? Hey, Christ follower, there's a mandate on us to fight for them. That's what do right, do justice means. Who lacks the resources, the knowledge, or the strength to fight for themselves? I believe as a Christ follower, we have a mandate on our life to fight for them, to do something. Scripture goes on, he says this, continued, Micah 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, number two, and to love kindness? To do justice and to love kindness. This word kindness can literally be translated into the word mercy. To love mercy. To love mercy. This is like goodness and faithfulness. So one, one way this word can be translated, listen to this, is zeal towards anyone. Zeal. That's not a word we use today. Maybe another word could be like passion. That I'm passionate for people. To anyone. That I'll be, work on being good and faithful and to support. To bring mercy to, towards those in misfortune. James, one of the writers of the New Testament, he kind of echoed this same passage of Scripture and he wrote about what God wants from you and me. And look at how he writes this. James chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. It says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Look at this. And their religion is worthless. Look at that. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Another way you can say that is their faith is worthless. Now you might immediately think about people who gossip and backstab and slander and just have hateful things to say. And yes, that is one thing that this is inferring or referencing. But can I just tell you another thing this is referencing? Is there anything more frustrating than somebody who says one thing but does another? Is there anything more disheartening and discouraging than to have someone in your life who promises one thing after another but never follows through? James, one of the very essences of what he's known for is saying, Hey, don't just be a hearer of the word, but do something about it. And that message from James is so powerful because James was the brother of Jesus. And we know based upon Corinthians that even while he walked with Jesus, James, the very brother, did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. It wasn't until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Again, if you're new, permission not to believe. But my Bible says it wasn't until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that James said, oh. I missed it. And here he is saying, guys, don't let your faith simply be in your words. Don't let it simply be in what you say. Look at this next passage. He unpacks what religion or faith is. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Not sing really loud during the right worship songs. 
Raise your hands, close your eyes, get here on time. All those things are important. Some of y'all need to work on the on time part. We're praying for you. Well, look what he says. A religion the Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. And look at this. And to keep oneself from being polluted by our world. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Just do what's right. Love mercy. There are far too many people in our world that are hurting. Look at me. They need a church who will do something. They need a church who will say, I'm in this thing. Until we can make a difference in everyone's life. Do justice. Love mercy. I love what Mother Teresa said. I did a lot of research on her specifically for this week. What an inspirational figure. She said, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everybody, I think that is a much greater hunger, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. There are just too many who need hope. And I believe in my gut. It's why I do what I do. It's why I wake up in the morning and get into this thing, I believe that we can be a part of the solution. We can be a part of the answer. But we have to do something. We can't just think about it. I find so many Christians, their faith is wrapped up in simply what they know about, what their knowledge is, and what they think about. But so many of us so often fail to actually Do something. And that's why the writer said, do justice, live right, and love mercy. Love mercy. Another way that word mercy can be translated is to grant favor. People can't earn favor. It's a gift. Let me just take a a moment in a, a rabbit trail, but somewhat on the same track if I can. But mercy isn't just for people over there. It isn't just for people over there. Sometimes we get caught up and consumed with people that are so far away and we neglect those that are closest to us. What a tragedy it would be to show mercy to the broken in our world, but not the broken in our family. My heart always is grieved in the Christmas time because of so many people who have fragmented relationships with parents or children, siblings or close friends former co-workers. And it's in this season that that emotion is heightened. And I just wonder, I just wonder if some of us in here today might have an estranged or a fragmented or broken relationship. I just wonder if there's something that we might be able to do. Maybe just ask for forgiveness. Maybe just reach out and show some mercy to those that are right in our family and not just save it for those that are overseas or the poor in our community. Mother Teresa also said, love begins by taking care of the closest ones, the ones at home. The ones at home. This scripture is not just about being merciful, but this scripture is saying to love mercy. That our life is marked by it. I believe that a life marked by mercy would be a great life to live. 
man, this world, let's just make it even more real. Orange County, the city that you live in, Lake Forest, San Clemente, Aliso Viejo, Rancho Santa Margarita, New Jersey, wherever it is that you live, man, it needs a church, you and me, to be driven by mercy. And to just live our life right. Not perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. But to drive at what's not right, that's completely different. Are y'all tracking with me today? That's what our world needs. The writer in Micah, he goes on. I have, the, I have this scripture over and over again so it gets into our mind. It says this, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice... Love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. To do justice. To love kindness. And number three, to walk humbly. To walk humbly, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. It, it means literally a manner of life or to live. The word walk means to live. It's not talking about the literal instance of walking in humility. It's like living a life of humility. The word humbly, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to describe what that means, but it's to be modest or to show humility. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this. He said, humility must be in the heart, and then it will come out spontaneously as the outflow of a life in every act that a man performs. Humility must be in the heart, and then it will come out spontaneously as the outflow of life. In every act that a man performs. Another theologian said this. The man who is proud does not know God. The man who is proud does not know God. A character in the Bible named Isaiah. When he had a vision of who God is. His response was woe is me. When Daniel saw a vision of God. His response was my beauty was turned into corruption. No man has had an encounter with God and come from it with a feeling of pride or greatness. Do you know, can I just share something with you? A part of my life message is to people who have made some serious mistakes because I have. I've shared my story countless times. And I want people who know what it's like to let people down in a huge way to know that God's love and mercy is still for them And their life isn't over, but the greatest days of their life are still ahead. God can, look at me, listen for a moment, church. God can work through the greatest of sinners. That's how amazing His grace is. There is no one that can outsend the love of God. But can I tell you what God cannot work through? Pride. He cannot work through pride. He can work through imperfection. He can work through making mistakes over and over again. I'm not saying that doesn't break the heart of God, but what he can't work through is the attitude that I know better. I've got this thing covered. So when the writer says to do justice, so just live right and love mercy, that means that there's people who are broken and hurting in our world and we can be part of the solution. And walk humbly with God simply means to live a life of submission. Say, God, 
I'm, I'm not in control anymore. I, I can't do this thing. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but it just doesn't seem to be working. That's what submission means. It doesn't mean that I give up on life. You ever seen an MMA fight before? I'm not advocating them. I'd like to watch them sometimes a lot. (laughs) Sometimes people just get knocked out. Then other times these very manly men with very little clothing like to wrestle on the mat. They'll get them in this arm bar, I don't know, rear naked chokes. They're horrible names for men fighting. But anyways, they do this thing and then all of a sudden, like, got them all choked up. And then what you do is tap out. End of the fight. Some of you have been trying so hard on your own. Doing everything you know to do. You've worked plans and you might have seen some success But deep down, you just know something is missing. It's time to tap out on trying to control your life. I'm not saying give up. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying just give in and throw in the towel and quit. I'm just saying let God be in control. Let God be in control. That's what it means simply to walk humbly. I say this a lot and because I feel like repetition helps us. But often I believe we overcomplicate Christianity. I think Christianity in America has overcomplicated Christianity. When you read the Bible, when you read the Gospels, it's simple. It's simple faith. That's why the writer is saying, look, bro, stop overcomplicating this. Just do what's right. And love mercy. In other words, make a difference with those that are hurting and broken in your world, no matter how close or far they are. And walk humbly. And I think the greatest thing that we can do as a Christ follower is just to simply start your day by saying, Jesus, I I don't have enough. I've, I've messed this up enough in my life. I don't have enough wisdom for this thing. I need you. Today, I give you my life and you be in control. I'm tapping out on being in control of my life. And I think there's no greater way to live. That's to walk humbly, at least to the best of my knowledge. So let God be in control. wonder if there's some people in here today maybe not very many who that's the next step for you is to make that faith declaration real today many of you may have been trying but some of us have been just working too hard to try to perfect this life the bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death I believe maybe for some of you today, maybe a select few, the next step for you is just simply saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And for some of you, maybe a select few, it's simply saying yes to Jesus for the first time in a 
long time. Maybe the last few months, weeks, or even years of your life is marked with running in the opposite direction of who Jesus is. And before we go any further in today's service, I wanted to stop now and give you a chance, if that's you, to make that decision today. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to get out of your seat. But I am going to pray a prayer, and I want to challenge you. If you're here and you've never made that decision, today is your day. And if you're here and you've been running from God, you know who you are. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Come running back to him. And let's start a brand new journey today. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving. If that's you, you've never prayed this prayer. Or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time. Just right where you're seated, would you just make this simple prayer your own? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. That you love me. And God, the truth is, I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? I want to start a relationship with you today, brand new. And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.